0: It's lovely to welcome our wonderful vicar, Craig Philbrick, to preach for us this morning. And we have a new sermon series. We do. We're looking at the creed now, so I will unpack that for us. Fantastic. Can I pray for you? Please do. Almighty God, we thank you so much for Craig and for the word that he has brought to us this morning. We pray that it blesses us in a new and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Patch. Good morning, church. How are we? Good to see you all here. Um, Bethany, my wife, has been um, in Bath the last uh, night with her mum, uh, having some uh, daughter mum time. And uh, When she came back uh, late last night, she said to me, oh, what's going on with your sermon? Uh, and I said, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, she said, I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a new sermon series on the creed. Uh, and she said, what's the passage? So I gave her Romans 1, and she read it, and she thought, and you probably don't want to hear the response to that, (laughs) the wrath of God. Now, what a sermon series to start on, hey? But we do have a God, don't we, Uh, who uh, wants righteousness to reign. Righteousness is a wonderful Old Testament word that reminds us that we can stand right before God, a God of peace and justice, a God of holiness. A God who, before all time, has been in the Godhead, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, always perfectly in community with himself. He's been one of righteousness, of justice and mercy. And in his creation, that has spilt out into us and into our world since all time and for all eternity. I gave a much snappier response to Bethany than what I've just given you. Um, And she said, okay, over to you. I did say to Bethany, if you'd like to preach, please do be here for the 9.30, but I don't think she's here. So the Creed. The Creed is a fabulous, fundamental text to us as Christians we were praying at the beginning, uh, before the service, that we, uh, as we always do, five minutes before nine, as we pray God's blessing over the whole day. We were praying uh, for the new sermon series. Uh, and I was saying to the team there that the creed, if you like, is the kind of ingredients on the back of uh, a Christian. Uh, if you were to turn a Christian around and, and to, you know, to lift up a T-shirt, I recommend you don't do this. Um, you know, Hopefully somewhere there will be a little patch Uh, that will say, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, this is what I'm going for, as I seek to see the hope and love and and the justice and the mercy of God as revealed in Jesus Christ, and as revealed uh, and empowered through the Holy Spirit. Hopefully that would be the list of ingredients you would see. And over the next uh, six to eight weeks, we're going to be picking out a few different things. Uh, and today, we're looking at, I believe in God. So, uh, a few days ago, I was stood in the park across the road, uh, Clarence Park. We spend quite a lot of time there, uh, me and my three young children on the way back from school. Uh, and as we were there, it was late on, the fr- uh, on, on Friday evening, uh, and there weren't many kids. Uh, and you'll probably know this, the parents of you, uh, if you go to a park where there are kids, you go, Ah! Oh, and you go, ah, because there are other kids who can look after your children. You know, that's the hope, isn't it? That's the dream. So we headed to this park, and there were no children. So we thought, okay, I'll step up, I'll play a bit, I'll do the swings, you know. I try to make sure you don't fall off and have to go to A&E. That's the least, place, the least favorite place to go to on a Friday night. Uh, and then thankfully, praise God, another family arrived. Uh, a dad and his daughter, who was the same age as Florence, uh, my eight-year-old. And I always say to Florence, I think that person wants to be your friend. Uh, And she looks (laughs) to me and she goes, oh, I'm not sure she does want to be my friend. And I say, well, go and ask. Uh, And she goes over and says, hi, I'm Florence, do you want to play? And 99% of the time they say, yes, let's play. So they go off and play, and then that leaves me and the dad, kind of, you know, I'm here, uh, and he's here, and we're looking at each other, thinking, are we going to make the investment to talk to each other, or are we just going to pretend that they're not there? Anyway, we decided to make the investment, uh, and uh, he starts talking to me, uh, and I start talking to him, uh, and we talk about our kids, uh, I ask him why he's here, uh, and he tells me that he's just flown in um, from Berlin, uh, because his dad died, uh, and he's come in uh, for the funeral, uh, and he's coming to see the family. Uh, half the family are back home, um, but he's here um, because he's coming to say goodbye to dad. And as we talk, um, I try and make sure, um, right into the last moment, I tell people what I do. Because as soon as you tell people that you're a priest, and I tend to use that word because I want to challenge that word, because people see priests as this high, almighty, slightly removed, you know, just below Jesus in times of the holiness, you know, uh, you know out there. Whereas actually, I want to show priests, uh, tell people that priests, you know, we bleed and we're human, you know. Yes, we've signed up for something. Yes, we've taken vows. But just like you guys, we're trying to chase down Jesus each day and to show him and to know him uh, and to, to offer him to our communities. So we got to the end of the conversation, which I'll go back to, and I told him I was a priest. And yes, our conversation changed very quickly when he realized that he was talking to a man of the cloth, as some people would say. Um, As we were talking, he told me that he was uh, this, and I wrote it down. Uh, He said, uh, I'm a staunch atheist, and it's an awful conclusion to get to. It's incredibly lonely. And I fear that one day when something bad happens to me, I've got nothing or no one to turn to." When he said that, I thought, wow, what a, what a conclusion to get to, and what, a, what insight he's got into his condition. I'm a staunch atheist. I'll read it again. It's an awful conclusion to get to. It's incredibly lonely. And I fear that one day, when bad things happen to me, I've got nowhere or no, no, I've got nothing or no one to turn to. In our passage today from Paul's letter to Rome, we see the, the righteousness of God, we see the characteristics of God that if He's loving, and we know He's loving because he sends his son, his only begotten son, as we say in the creed, to hang on a cross in that place where you and I should be because of our sin and shame, because of the fallen nature of our heart. He sends his own son to be the sacrificial lamb for all eternity so that we can go into heaven, so we can be with God forever. He goes to that place because he is the source of love. We also see that if he's the source of love, he has to also be a God of justice. Why? Because if he wasn't a God of justice, then he wouldn't be a fair God, would he? Then it would mean that you could behave however you wanted to behave, and at the end, it just, it just didn't matter. But we know that as a people group, we know that the early Israelites were given the Ten Commandments because there are some basic fundamentals of how we should treat each other. Because when we're treating each other right, We're seeing God in the other person. I love the joke um, uh, that it was Moses who received the first tablet. It wasn't Apple, um, because he got the Ten Commandments on the tablet, didn't he? You can have that one for the week. So the character of God is both loving, Paul wants to remind us, but it's also the wrath of God. God will have the final say. And if you read that text out of context... And if you're not a Christian, you see, what type of God do you see? You see an angry God, don't you? You see a God who's just coming straight in. You don't see any dialogue. You don't see any conversation. But remember that when Paul was writing this, he was a man himself who was persecuting the church. Because he thought as a righteous Jewish man of the Torah that these Jesus Jews were wrong and that they were deluded and that they were, they were making this pure, holy Jerusalem uh, uh, contaminated at the core. But Jesus, because he's true, because he's risen, he floors Paul, uh, um, Paul, doesn't he, on the road to Damascus. He shows him. He says, why are you persecuting me? Not the church. Me. Why are you persecuting me? And then Paul turns around from this, um, this, this godly Jewish um, follower and realizes that Jesus is the continuation of the Jewish faith. That God starts first with the holy people of Israel and he says to them, this is how you should be. This is the character of God. This is what a good and righteous life looks like. But like the course of history, when we go on our own, when we go without God... We trip up, don't we? We fail because we're finite, limited beings. But when we have that heart transplant, when we let the Holy Spirit in here be in the driving seat, we go further and faster because we go with God and that's the difference paul is writing to this church it's probably one of the oldest one of the later uh, letters in his career as he's an apostle going around rome using his roman passport you might say to go through the roman infrastructure to preach and teach the gospel uh, and he writes this letter to the church in rome because i get a bit confused They're not quite sure uh, on the difference between Jews and Jesus' Jews. Uh, They're not quite sure what they should be prioritizing. And he writes this wonderful letter, uh, the book, uh, uh, Romans, the book to the Roman church, to remind them that faith is done, uh, that, uh, that redemption is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know whose you are in Christ? You can be a good, you can be a good Christian all your life. You can come to harvest service and put your things in the box. You can give your tithe. Uh, you can, you know, get on your knees. But what's going on in here? Where's the heart transplant? Where's the character of God that's being displayed when you leave this house of prayer and you go and treat your family with respect? That you treat them with mercy, that you make sure that justice, that they, they, they do the right things, that they're not out stealing or doing things that they shouldn't be doing before God. Are you Christians on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Or are you just, am I just a Christian on a Sunday? A couple of weeks back, we had um, a wonderful conference here, Believers in Recovery, uh, and a wonderful Irish... I think he was Irish. We shouldn't stand on that. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Betty. (laughs) I thought I should move it back a little bit. I knew I was going to move this morning. We had a wonderful Irish chap here um, called Shane, uh, and uh, he was giving his testimony, and he said this wonderful thing. He said, um, as a Christian, I often sit in the driving seat and I sit there, and I put Jesus, and I say, you're a passenger, that's fine, but I, my hands are on the wheel. I'm going to choose the gears, how fast, how slow we go, if we turn left or right, etc., etc. And he says, he does that, and he gets a little, a little weight. Um, but when he goes further, when he goes deeper with God, when he has the peace of God, those characters that we see uh, in, 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 in the epistles to the Romans, he realizes he's not driving the car anymore. And Jesus isn't in the passenger seat anymore. Jesus is driving and he's been put in the baby seat in the back. He's strapped in, he's secure, and he's holding on tight because he knows Jesus and God has the direction and knows where he should be going. And he knows that he's safe and secure because he can trust the one who's driving. Do we trust the one who's driving in our lives today? We, as a church, um, long to see the renewal of our town as we follow the way of Jesus. We believe that our golden days, our glory days, are ahead of us, not just behind us. Why? Because we're going to let Jesus, we're going to always do everything we can to make sure that Jesus is driving this house of prayer and that the vicar and the SOT and the PCC and the congregation members are all strapped in our our baby seats at the back, holding on tight, listening and learning, playing our part, yes, but making sure that we're not trying to dominate and to control. We won't go far enough if we do it in our own strength. We won't think out of the box big enough if we limit it to our own creative thinking. We won't be able to come up with the creative solutions that our town needs us to do, as we try to do three things if we do it by ourselves. Those three things, are our vision for the church is that we will be a church where we have um, walls down, where we will work really hard to make sure that anyone who wants to come into this place can come and know God. But anyone who wants to leave this church and go into the community can do that and, and be empowered. We want to be people who retreat on a Sunday so that we can advance through the week, don't we? That's why we do it. We're not here just to make each other feel good for half an hour. We're here to encourage each other, to call things out, to challenge, to show those characters of God. Sometimes the wrath of God, you know, I want to see the wrath of God against Putin. Am I the only one who wants to see that? You know, uh, any dictator. It gives me great joy to know that the wrath of God gets the final say. That there will be justice and mercy in the end, that you don't just get away with it, but God sees it all. You know, the people in our town who do awful things, I want to know that the wrath of God will be against them. No, not against them, will challenge them. But I also want to know that Jesus is there to redeem them and to love them and to bring them into new life. So we want walls down as a church as we imagine what church should be for the next 10 years. We want to have roots down as a church. We want to be a church that goes, uh, that makes disciples. Paul was a disciple. It's why he wrote the letters. It's you know when he when he was hearing about the issues in Rome, he could have just ignored them. He could have just said, "Actually, I'll get somebody else to send the letter, or I'll just ignore it." But he was invested. The churches in Rome mattered. We matter. And as we matter to play our part in the mission and ministry of Jesus in the next 10 years in this place, we need to have roots down, church, so that we can be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's disciples, people who know Jesus every day, know they're loved by Jesus every day, who will transform our town and our villages and our places of work, wherever he will have us. We can stand here and wave and clap and do whatever we want, and that's all helpful. But if we're not a disciple, we're not a follower of Jesus, then we're not going to get very far. And the third thing we want to be is we want to build, we want to be master builders. We want to be people who build bridges out into the community. We don't want just to be saying to people, you've got to come here to know Jesus. We want to show Jesus in the streets you know, in the, in the tough places, in those shades of gray and darkness where the enemy and where you know, other powers have taken a stronghold, where Jesus isn't king, and we want to go and say, Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord. So those are the three things we're going for uh, in the next uh, few months and years. Roots down, walls down, bridges out. So this week, where are we before God? Where are we showing the character of God? Which situation, as I've been speaking, uh, and you've either been napping or listening, where has God said to you, show the character of God? Which situation do you need to bring back to the Lord and say, we need to see the righteous uh, uh, anger or the righteous joy of God on it? Remember that God will have the final say. Remember that God will be merciful, but he will also have justice. It's both and. God will have the final say. So today, as we have a moment of uh, quietness, bring to God that situation, that person. It may be historical. It may be really current. God knows it, and he wants to bless it. So let's bring that before God now. Amen.